Welcome to the Drive Able podcast, where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you go back to listen to episode eight. Uh, in that episode, we met Eli and discussed his driving history, how having the wrong attitude on the road can lead to long-term uh, life-changing injuries. We also discussed how he is using his life story with his education series that he's doing for SA Schools. Uh, and then in episode nine, we unpacked this in more detail and talked about the modifications he's using to drive. Eli is an amazing guy. And if you want to know why safety on the road matters, make sure you go back and listen to this story. Ali? G'day everyone, this is episode 10 and I'm very excited. This is another interview podcast again. And this in this episode, we're going to be interviewing a special guest, Matt Parawana. Um, I personally met Matt and actually worked out with him at a gym. He's a pretty intensive and strong guy. He's got a very interesting story about that as well. Basically getting a second chance and really using that second chance to his full potential. Matt seems to be unstoppable and is breaking barriers and he's challenging his diagnosis, his diagnosis every step of the way. It's really wonderful to watch him. He's got an awesome social media profile to share at the end and I can't he wait to hear more about his story and also um, talk about his driving, driving um, journey. So Brad, are you ready for it? Yeah, mate, let's get into it. Do it. Driving is something many take for granted. But when someone has an altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. The Drive Able podcast unpacks the world of driving with a disability so you can experience the freedom that you desire. I'm Brad and with me is Ali and together we have over 30 years of experience in driving and disability. Enough with the intros, let's get into it. Okay, in this episode we are talking with Matt. Thank you for joining us, Matt. Let's kick off and introduce yourself by telling us a bit about your disability and what it actually is. Yep, so my name is Matt Caruana. I have a spinal cord injury, um, quote-unquote complete T12. And I, yeah, I also had a traumatic brain injury, but I don't think that even affects me anymore. Okay, and, um, and how, what was the story, I guess, before... Who were you before the accident and what, like what happened and, and how did you get, end up like with that disability? Who I was, was in a way, it was like those two versions of me. There's the version who everyone else saw and the version who was inside. I was a big gym goer. I was heavily insecure, deeply depressed, very anxious and suicidal, which actually led to my injury. I threw myself off a building at 16 years old to end my life. But two weeks later, I wake up in hospital where I didn't. All right, there's there's then, so much um, to unpack there, mate. So, um, yeah. what was that like when you first woke up? Did you did you <laughs> know I, what was going on? No, and it, actually, I mean, initially I thought it was like the afterlife. Right. Like I, I actually had thoughts, like, and I remember, I remember thinking that, but obviously it kicked in quickly that no, this is real life, and um, yeah, I couldn't feel. Half my body couldn't move. Half my body, arms had freaking the ones like like slings and stuff. Had casts on both arms. Had boots on both legs. Neck brace, like feet and shoes, all this stuff. And it's like thinking, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, thinking, what is going on? I'm I'm really over it. And um, yeah. And and did you know how you'd got there? Yeah. 
Yeah, so you knew, I, I knew you, the I memory done. of what had happened. Yeah. Mm. Must have been uh, fairly confronting. Well, see it like this. I, 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 before my injury, I felt worthless. I laid myself as worthless. That's why I did what I did. I was deeply depressed, heavily insecure, anxious, all that stuff. And then afterwards, knowing that the one thing I wanted in life, I couldn't do right. How pathetic was I now? Was what was the question I kept asking myself? I, I it just ate me up inside of that. And I yeah, hated myself to say the least. Even afterwards, even more so. Oh, yeah. If I if I couldn't do that right, and now I'm, I'm and now in a position worse off than what I was beforehand, and still stuck with the same mindset, but now thinking even darker thoughts. Man, it, yeah, like I thought I was at rock bottom. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so then I guess what 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 started working your way out of that I had many turning points many turning points I'm very blessed and I just ha- happened to have the right people in my life at the time sort of nudge me in, in the right direction that I suppose ultimately like, through all the turning points I won't go into all of them they um, led me to find my purpose and meaning in my life my mission is to instruct, inspire, influence, and impact people's frame of mind for them to improve their lives. And that's what fulfills me to this day. And because I have that, I now have purpose. And so the whole label of being worthless is fucking irrelevant now. It's now all about the value I can give to others and the inspiration that I am. Not just through my story, but the wisdom I've attained and how I can pass that on to other people, running workshops, coaching people one-on-one. There's all these different methods I can go about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into yeah. that. What so? What are you, where is life up to now? What do you do with yourself? Introduce yourself, the new you. What what do you do nowadays? Yeah, so literally that I empower people's mindsets to have a greater quality of life. And so, like, like the way I got started by that was by sharing my story. People found value out of it, but I wanted to do more than that. So I started creating workshops, mostly in high schools. Like I am twenty one years old, right? So I'm like their older brother. But they. they, they they get me. They connected me quite well. Mm-hmm. Then I felt into the corporate world. I started mentoring people one-on-one, coaching them, all based on mindset. And they're my main ways of going about it. Anything to do with mindset, because I, I firmly believe change, change your mind, change your life. It's been like that for me, literally. While everything external stays the same, our internal, I, I literally, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to talk about this stuff for days, but Yes. I, want, I want to keep I want to keep asking you. I want to learn all about it, but I should probably sign up to one of your courses and, and learn about it the proper way. I, I'm, I, I just want to know I want to know about that journey when you woke up in more detail in regards to how you've actually got to where you are now. I mean that it must have been such a struggle when you uh, can't move and uh, and you've got the the mindset that you had that you're a failure um and i mean you've spoken about there was multiple turning points is there is there is there a a thing that happened in hospital that you could put your finger on or was it later than that was it did it happen early on or did it happen further down the track yeah so just give some context before my injury i never spoke about my feelings Mm -hmm. barely ever would i ever and for over a year before i had actually jumped I told a soul about how I was thinking or feeling. Kept that all to myself. After my injury, nothing had changed. I hated talking about how I felt. Mm-hmm. I was under 24-hour watch. I was seeing psychologists twice a day. It drove me nuts. It really ate me up inside. 
But then I remember it was a week before I left hospital. At this stage, 24 hours um, watch had sort of died down, and I was just me and my mum. I was allowed out of the hospital with my mum. We went to Penrith. How long was this? How long was this after? Just this was now, yeah, about three and a half months after my injury. Yep. So a week before I left hospital, and I I was with my mum. I wanted to get two piercings on my eyebrow, these two dermals. Got them done, and I've got to say, I was actually happy, really happy. I loved piercings at the time, and got them done. Like you know, I was actually happy. And the train ride back to the hospital, just (laughs) halfway through the trip, I never met this guy in my life and he comes on the train before he even sits down looks to his right it's like jesus christ what did you do to yourself <laughs> and I, I swear to you now i have not told a soul but i didn't like talking i don't told anyone but for some reason it just came out the first person i ever told was this guy i said oh, i attempted suicide he looks at me and he's like well that's pretty fucking stupid look at your faces laughing at me too and i don't know how to take it but um the next morning i woke up with a sense of lightness yeah right and i and i hadn't felt that as long as i can remember and for the first time i went saw my social worker without her having to chase me up i shared what had happened how the guy on the train made me feel and yeah as far as she's um she then said matt well look what if just what if you open up to people close to you in life, could you potentially strengthen the relationship you already have with them? Because right, you said you've already been lying to people now for what, like three, four months you've been in the hospital, telling people you oh, you've, you had an accident, you had a fall. You mm-hmm. spoke the truth, you feel lighter. What could it do for other relationships if you were real? And that really stuck with me and challenged my way of thinking so hard. But I, I mean, she had a point where I got on the train. So I started with my girlfriend at the time they my friends. And for the first time in my life, I yeah, was real with my parents. And it was amazing how she was right. And that was the first key step was to have a supportive network. I needed to have people around me that you know appreciated me and valued me as much as I valued them. Mm. I could listen to that. I could listen to that for ages. I could I could I I need to sign up and uh, listen to you more and uh, and pay for your story, I reckon. But uh, thank you. Thanks for going into it. I mean, um, we need to talk about driving. That's that's yeah. the main thing that we're Absolutely. on here for. So uh, I think this is a driving uh, podcast. So uh, we should probably talk about that. So um, the first question I've got for you is, um, mate, so tell us about your injuries now. You're, you're in the wheelchair now? Yeah. Yeah, we, yep. all we can see is your head on the screen here. So, oh, uh, just yeah, yeah. just for the people that uh, um, are listening in as well, um, how do you get around? Um, what function do you have? And and yeah, what what's daily life look for it like for you from a functional point of view? Yeah, I, I would say I'm very high functioning. I would say completely independent as well. I have a manual chair. I drive myself too with hand so push pull hand controls. The, the most as far as Basic one, best ones you can really get. Um, I also have function in my legs now. For a, that's why, that's why I did quote unquote like beforehand. Mm. Um, I have a. They called it a complete injury, and they showed me that spinal cord literally in two after the MRI. And I can get on a bike in the gym and pedal away, and I'm doing that consistently to improve my rehab, improve my recovery, and it's progressing continuously. And so. Anyways, that's a whole other tangent I can go on, but um, <laughs> <Does it laughs> it was, yeah, 
Is it, I, I wonder, does it hurt when you do that? It actually gets, it, 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 it does fatigue. And I, yeah. and I can't feel it like set in. It's like, ooh. But, um, and, I, and I get gongs every now and then as well. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's cool. really cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's interesting. So are, are you using that to help with transfers or are you, how do you do your transfers? Transfers off the body. Yeah. Yeah. And all like, and I am conscious of my legs. So when I am transferring, mm-hmm. like putting, applying like, like weight through them, especially with floor transfers, they tend to be using my legs. It makes it so much easier. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So getting in and out of a car, then let's talk about the driving. Is it uh, just all upper body slide transfer? Um. So you know the I don't know what they call it the bar on top of the window. Some people call it a Jesus yep. bar. Um, I, it depends how I you know. drive. Yeah, it's just a little grab bar. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I hold on to that, hand on my cushion, and I transfer away. Because my car's a little bit raised. I've got to hold on Rodeo. Okay. So it's um slightly higher than my chair. So I, hand on, like, seat. I can do it. It's just it's easier like that. Yep. But I apply, all, I apply all my force through my hand that I'm pushing off my chair with. Because mm-hmm. if I put more force on my, the one I'm, like, holding up on that bar, it's going to really hurt my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful of that rotator cuff, yeah. As you're Ooh, as yeah. you're going in and out, you don't want a rotator cuff injury. Uh, that's the OT coming out in me. Uh, everybody listening into this, if you've got uh, if you're using all of your upper body, that rotator cuff, you've got to protect that rotator cuff for the long term. Yes, you're going to use it every day, but uh, just as an OT, I, if you if you tear that rotator cuff, then you're in all kinds of trouble. Mm, yeah. So what, what um were you driving before, like when you said this happened at sixteen? So had you started any kind of learning or anything at that time, or had you done any driving? Yes. So I got my L's on my birthday. I turned sixteen, and so I I'd done I I got around about sixty hours in those three months of driving my parents. I um yeah, I never really liked driving. If I'm honest. Really? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you, I guess, at which part of the journey did you say, or did anyone say, like, when did the discussion of I need to get back into a car or into a car come up in this, in this, since you were 16, like on the post, post uh, rehab side of things? Good question. It was there when I, when I got to, so when I left hospital, went to rehab center, went to rural rehab and the conversation came up decently quickly. Although yeah. I'm um, sorry, I had the OT driving test. Um, oh, from memory, it was like literally the day um, the day after I left Royal Rehab. Although I didn't get car mods in my car for another oh, like eight months or so. Yeah, okay. So what, like, I mean, it'd be interesting to unpack the process in between. Um, so... So you said they started talking to you about it. So then what happened? Did you do any lessons like or trials or like, like how did you end up, I guess, progressing on from the discussion to, you know, having the car? Discussion having the car. Um, so I, I do lessons every now and then at Royal Rehab. I think I did about seven or eight there because I, I, I needed to get 10 lessons before I was able to drive my L's with my parents. So that just to unpack that a little bit more, you had an OT assessment to start off with, is that right? Yep. Yep. And then uh, at the actual hospital that you're at, they actually had a driving instructor come in and visit, did they? Um, no. So the driving instructor worked for 
for the hospital. The rehab center. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yep. So I um yeah, that was the day after I'd left, yeah. Yep. Um so you facilities, is that what you mean? That that rehab center? Like their own car and their own driving instructors and things like that. Yeah, yeah. They had they had everything there. Yeah. For for people listening um in Adelaide, Hampstead have a have a similar setup. Um and I think um Melbourne has has a similar setup as well. I'm not too sure about Queensland, but uh, you're in I think, Sydney. I think yeah? Here in Sydney Royal Rehab, I think they might be the biggest guys around yeah. rehab got yeah. um, yeah. so they've got a lot of facilities like that. They've got a lot of in-house kind of stuff like that. So hmm. So that was that was all organised for you. You had your you were saying around seven to eight lessons before you could go and drive with your folks. But I'm assuming well, you no no. So I had seven to eight lessons, and then yeah. I got my car mods. Okay. So that was a journey itself. And then I had two more lessons with my driving instructor. Um, like those night sessions, and mm-hmm. then I was able to drive with my parents. You said that uh, getting mods was a bit of a bit of a journey for you. So let's and um, let's unpack that then. So where were you going to go with that? What do you mean by where I was? Where oh, I was so there? you said that was a bit of a journey getting your car mods. Um, did you want to unpack mm. that journey for us? I mean, just in terms of just actually getting them on the car. Yeah. So um, I suppose. It, 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 I mean, biggest thing. Like, I mean. I, I think it was the money side of things and NGIS refusing to pay for them at the time because it was a um, older car. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We've, uh, we've touched on this story a couple of times in our podcast now. So uh, your car was outside of their guidelines. Yeah. So it was uh, the guidelines have changed recently to the car being five years and 80,000 kilometers. If it's newer than that, then it's more likely that modifications are going to be um, approved for the car. Um, but other clinical justifications have to be there. But yours were outside of the guidelines. Is that right? So far out. This is in 98. Yeah. <laughs> Model. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a much older car. Sorry, was that your family car, or did you specifically get that for yourself? Oh no, it was um, my dad's car, and um, he. Although, uh, fun enough, the NDIS actually did end up reimbursing eventually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you had to go Sorry, through man. some more arguments uh, with them in regards to trying to prove that it was something that you really needed. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's an interesting space, that one, because we know that um, 16-year-olds like yourself or 17 or, or so forth um, at the time, um, probably not working, being able to afford your own car. We've had a podcast with Jack and, and he's been through a similar story as well, trying to get his first car with hand controls. Uh, so tune into that episode if you haven't done so already, people. Um, but yeah, when you're on a disability pension as well, and you need a uh, a vehicle to be able to house your wheelchair. That's that's a significant investment. Mm. Are you still driving the same car now? Absolutely, yeah, I am. Still driving the '98, whatever. Uh, yeah, Rodeo. yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, <laughs> I've had thoughts like getting a new one, but my concern is um, I've got to talk to my support coordinator about that actually getting approved because I already got the last one approved and it was an older car. Again, that it just needs to get transferred over. I'm Although if it's a newer car, it might need to be new hand controls. It will say. So would you, would you, yeah, well, on that note, um, 
I guess talking about the product that you use, you said it's a push pull. Or is it a push pull or is it a push pat? Is it the one that you twist down like that? No, nah, push pull. Push pull. Like so you that. pull it towards your fair accelerator. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, and how did you? So in terms of using that, uh, I guess coming up with that product and with the OT and everything like that, um, was when when you started doing that, was that the only option available, or was there other options with like the different cars? Or how how did that process work? Did they just come and say, hey, give this hand controller a try, or or like did they do some assessment on you first? How did they do it? They just said, yeah, give this hand controller a try. And basically, um, yeah, they said it, 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 it's the most natural feeling of all the car mods at the time that they had. But um, yeah, it, it sort of just made sense to me. It took, took a lot of getting used to, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're using your hands compared to your legs, it would. And then, um, and then what about, um, I guess, now that you've been out and about using it um, and you've probably been within the community and the industry. And I know like you've seen some others, even with us here, have, have you, do, do you think that what you've got is the most suitable for you? And would, if you're going for another car, would you try something else? Or do you think you just stick to the same style? I've, um, I mean, I haven't tried anything else, if I'm honest, but so what I got does work for me. I have no issue with it. I think, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, no, like, I mean, like, what I was thinking was, like, if you're thinking, oh, well, when I get a new car, are you thinking, hey, I mean, maybe you should go out and try some other hand controls because this one's got a couple of issues or this one's basically perfect for you, I have no problems. Oh, I mean, I, um, I'm open to trying new things, of course. Yeah. I just, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation because I've actually got an assessment this afternoon for this exact same scenario. Um, a gentleman upgrading his car, looking to get um, funding to either move over. Moving over is going to be really difficult for this one because of the way the car is set up with knee airbags and so forth. So um, having to, we're actually testing out other types um, and, and, and that allows the, the driver. So in your case, Matt, to be able to know what's out there and um, allow people to actually understand that what's out there and what actually might fit better because like you've like we've already said with your transfers your shoulders um we've got a that repetitive stress scenario uh we've got to look after your shoulders for the next well maybe 80 years um and make sure that you can keep using them for as long as possible so we want we don't want to not use them and not make them strong uh we want to keep the movement we want to keep them strong and stuff but we've got to be careful of that repetitive stress uh injuries uh, from doing the same thing in the same pattern all the time as well. So with the, uh, with the, I guess, to build on what Brad was saying, you may um, hit a problem when you go into a newer car if it's got a knee airbag because one of those, the traditional push-pull hand controls, because they've got the big sort of rods that go down, they might, um, you, yeah, that, that's what happens is they might not actually work. They don't work with a lot of cars with hand, uh, knee airbags. Um, oh. a lot of the new company airbags because that's what exactly we're doing your assessment here for you, Matt. We, we, yeah. You're getting it uh, so, um, yeah, free of charge yeah, here, mate. This is good, it's good to hear, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, these are just little things that, um, yeah, I mean, um, I have no idea about this, so thank, thank you, Alex. Yeah, yeah, and when you, you, you want to learn it the, the easy way, not the hard way, by buying the car first and figuring out you can't do it. Um, so I guess around around this uh, this sort of assessment process that you went through, 
um, and then funding with NDIS. What are the things that you think that people, um, I guess, would need to know about? Like, like what, what, any tips, I guess, that, that could help people um, and things that didn't work out for you that you thought should have been done a different way? And, you, you know, um, anything around that, like with the OT, with products, the modifiers, um, even with NDIS, like a lot of people talk about feedback with NDIS. I mean, NDIS, you just need to push, 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 push. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. And, um, yeah, I mean, like... Were you on NDIS yeah, the whole time? Like, was, have you been on NDIS, like, basically since day one? Yeah. Yeah. And have you got other products through them as well? For your house and stuff? Oh, I mean, like, in like standing frame, um, obviously, from my chair and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah. So you're fully right into the whole sort of NDIS thing. And so when you yeah. said push, 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 did you get like many rejections or anything like that? So for example, with the, um, with the hand control situation, um, you said you, you sort of went for it anyway. Um, so did they reject you and you went and got it? Or did you, you, like you said, well, I want to be driving anyway. Or did your family say you want to be driving anyway? How did that work out? So I went and, um, what's it called? Uh, so they reject the... The, the what's called the quote. So eventually, my dad went and got it himself. Then they um, what's it called? We figured why not push for reimburse, reimbursement, and then yeah, that um, it all came then, through. Um, your dad going and getting that done. Um, they were just using their own money. Yeah. And so, how was your parental support? I guess how did you feel that that was around that time? I mean, considering what they've done, it was yeah, quite big. It was my 18th birthday present as well. So that was okay. a great present, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and plus, they got their money back. So, hey. What a present. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. But yeah. oh, well, that, there's a tip for all the parents out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give presents and get money back from Andy. That's right. Um, yeah. I, just, I just need to put out there, from my experience, reimbursement's really hard to um, come by. Uh, it's better for, to have it approved first. Uh, there's been quite a lot of stories from ours, from our end where reimbursement hasn't happened. They, they thought they would pay for it up front and uh, for whatever reason, uh, multiple reasons, the NDIS didn't reimburse and they were caught out of pocket. So um, please take that as a warning for anybody that is listening to this podcast. Uh, Matt's in a, in a bit of a unique scenario there where he actually did get it reimbursed um be interesting if you've got stories about reimbursement you can put it in the show notes down below in the comments down below if you've got a different experience if you're listening into this a little bit later down the track um so moving moving on from here in regards to uh the ot assessment and the the driving instructing that you did is there any tips or anything that you could give people that are listening into this uh, podcast in regards to that process because I'm sure uh, when you first went through it it was like you were just being guided like this is what has to happen next is there is there any tips or advice that you could give to people that have to go through an assessment process because that can be quite daunting if it's your first time touching your hand controls watch out they're sensitive <laughs> yeah 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 it took me a, whole, a while to get used to that yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's probably been the biggest biggest thing 
other than that, I mean, yeah, kind of stress that they're there to support you. Yeah. 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 yeah that sounds good. All right, mate. So we're going to. Sorry. I'll just quickly ask a last thing about the driving. So getting back into the driving and driving with your parents. Um, so were they helping a lot as like a learner type of thing, sitting with you? Um, in terms of, so helping how so like. Yeah, just, so like what you were saying that you had to do like seven or eight lessons first and then um, with the rehab guys, then got your car modified. Then you did a couple and then were the rest just with your parents? Yeah, yeah. So the rest of my hours to do with my parents. Um, they would really, so every time I was driving, they would help me put the chair in the boot. And because it's a ute, right? So it, was, it was perfect. And so, yeah, then eventually, like, obviously, when I got my parents. How, how was it being with them? Like, how are your parents? Because normally parents in the car can be a bit freaked out, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. No, screaming and shouting, going, oh, what are you doing, Matt? So, so did that go on as well? Was it the standard sort of stuff? Slow down. Yeah. Initially, yeah, yeah, it was very much like that. But um, I was so eager to drive. But, um, I don't think I was allowed to. But um, when I got um, what's it called? Uh, when I got my car mods, I I drove home. And <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just say I I wasn't the greatest driver at the time. I'm not checking when I was moving, like switching lanes and stuff like that, and. <laughs> Yeah. Do you rely on the car a lot now? Like, do you think it's a very important part of your life? I'm very blessed where I live is like it's right at the metro at Castle Hill. So I have like a lot of access to public transport, but I do drive a lot. So I drive every day to the gym. I drive to every school that I workshop at. I drive when I meet up with some of my clients. It's definitely a, a crucial thing. Well, I said earlier, I don't like driving particularly. I am very grateful for the for the independence it gives me because mm-hmm. it really it really helps me out in that regard. Because couple- I know, I mean, I know your story as well. You've moved out as well from home and you're living on your own. Is that right? Yeah, I moved so, out a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think having the car makes it much more possible to be independent, living on your own, away from your parents? God, God, yeah. You you need it. You need yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just a couple of other little things that you uh, mentioned in that last uh, little bit? How do you get your wheelchair in and out of a of the rodeo? So it's a it's a ute, is it, or is it a wagon? That's a ute. So it's a ute. So, so you got the back tray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you yep, get your so, how do you get your wheelchair in and out? So I just, I just take it apart from the driver's seat. So once I mm-hmm. transfer it in, I obviously um, cushion goes first, backrest down lift it up one wheel at a time and stow it in. If I'm driving with other people, so if I'm, for example, meeting up my girlfriend uh, and I pick her up, I'll make sure. So I stack um, the cushion, the wheels on one another and the frame all in one one side on in the back seat. It's mm-hmm. almost like a passenger in itself. That way I've got enough room to fit her in and her stuff in the back as well. There are, yeah, um, yeah you've got to learn how to play Tetris pretty well <laughs> yeah, at some yeah. stage. Have you ever um, rocked up at your meeting and, and got di- uh, dirty tire marks across you or, or grease across you in your yeah. fancy suit? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I've, um, before school, I was wearing a nice white top yeah. and um, just the, what's it called? Um, the axle? Yep. Yep. The grease axle. Yeah, oh, God. No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened many times. 
And um, sometimes if I'm with many passengers, they'll just do the chair themselves. They have mm-hmm. the same issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah and no, I'm sure your back seat's littered with a little bit of uh, grease here and there. Uh, little uh, smudges on there. Don't sit in that seat. Um, mate, <laughs> thanks very much for, for uh, everything that you've unpacked uh, for us through this. Um, we always ask one more question. And I know you've been preparing for this question because oh, it gets because it gets everyone so we wind up every podcast with this same question um so you up for it i don't know i don't uh, know let, let's I, see what comes out let's see what comes out so absolutely. we we know that we use cars for uh, things other than getting from a to b i mean and, and you've touched on it a little bit now in regards to the getting you to and from schools and and so forth like that um, but is there, you know, something that you've done in your car that's a little bit unique, a little bit unusual? Um, maybe we've had Jack who's told us about games that he's played. We've had Ali talking about um, towing uh, skiers behind his car. We've had me talking about making out with my wife uh, in the car and getting caught. Uh, we use cars for all kinds of uh, things other than just getting from A to B. Is there something that you can think of uh, to share with us about you know, how we, how you use your car other than just A to B? Um, I mean, first thing I can relate to, to that was in terms of, yeah, making out and things getting a little bit heated with my ex-girlfriend <laughs> and someone staring at the car because everything was foggy. And, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, we, we couldn't really see them, but we still stand still and, like it looked like it looked like they're looking out of the direction, and so we sorted ourselves up and left <laughs> ASAP. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we use our cars for all kinds of things. And thanks very much for sharing that with us. Yeah, yeah thanks a lot. And um, and yeah, look, he Matt, um, what you're doing is really awesome. And it's um, I mean, I I've met you in person and worked out with you, and I hope to do it again. And uh, follow you online, and, and we'll put we'll put your links to, to all your socials and stuff um, below. Uh, I mean, as you've heard a little bit at the beginning, Matt's a pretty amazing guy to listen to, um, and he's also working with a lot of people within the industry. Um, like this, this podcast is targeted probably at people that could most likely reach out to Matt um, and and get some inspiration because that's the idea. We want people. The idea is people that maybe think that things are not possible. Um, uh, we want them to hear stories like Matt's and go, wait a minute, I can get in the car and I could possibly have some extra independence and maybe I could even live on my own, um, you know, and, and have that independence where a lot of people might not even thought that possible um, just by taking that step and going and getting a trial and, and having a hand control. But it's, it's all to do with that mindset. So, um, so yeah, exactly. and he's doing, he's doing coaching as well uh, with a lot of people with, with um, you know, people that are in wheelchairs and things like that. So, um, you know, he can help you a lot. Um, as he's helped himself, as you can see, so it's um it's really good. So a big plug for that. Check him out. Yeah, Matt. Check- do you want to? What's what's the best way that they can get in contact with you? Yeah, the best way is my website. So just www.mattcaruana.com. M a double t c a r u a n a dot com. My Instagram is Matt Shares, and my Facebook is just Matthew Caruana. I have I have a couple of clients that are in the that do have disabilities themselves. It's amazing seeing their progress. And I suppose having, I suppose, yeah, them having their disabilities and um, their conditions, it does like, like play such a big role on, on their mental health, on their mindset. They 
started to really, how I say, struggled to get by. But then seeing the progress, like when they implement certain strategies and steps, it's amazing and, I, and, and nothing excites me more. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it, everyone. Check out Matt. Make sure you go and uh, check out his socials and hit him up at his uh, website if you want to know more. Thanks very much. I've, I've so many things that I can take away from this episode. Um, yeah, I want to I want to find out more about your story and and how you changed your mindset. That's one thing for sure. And um, I'm really intrigued to know uh, later on when you do upgrade your car. What kind of mm-hmm. what kind of changes you have to your modifications? You know, will you go with the same push pull, old mechanical style hand controls, or will you adventure into something a little bit uh, newer to maybe match your car and and how you how you came to that decision? So later on, um, if if you do go through that, would you be happy to join us back again or make some comments to this old podcast? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've got a lot of conversations with Ali to be had about this too, because I was going to, he was the first guy I was going to approach. Oh, there you go. Yeah. um, I remember, I remember you taking me through your workshop um, uh, last year. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. And I remember you straight off the bat, you were showing me things that I'm like, what is this? (laughs) And never since in my life and never heard anything about them. So I'd be really intrigued to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, well, that's, that's how we sign off every podcast, don't we, Ali? So let's sign that off now. As we say in every episode, if you've got any queries about what you can do and what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT and your mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. There's so many products out there nowadays. So, and trials really do put you in the driver's seat. So we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Barium. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.